Hey all, it's Ben here. Hope you're doing well. I've just been thinking about some things I wanted to share with him. Um, I've been starting to go to the gym with my brother now. Um, he only lives around the corner and so it's great just to be able to spend more time with him to see his kids. And um, I've been going to the gym a little bit longer than he has and he's intent on lifting the same as I am, if not more, you know, even better when you can do more. And we get this kind of friendly competition going, which is good in the gym as it can help us spur us on to lift more weight and, you know, to get healthier. But it's been making me think of all the times as kids when we were so competitive, we'd always try to get the edge on each other. Whether it's playing football, doing quizzes, or most frequently playing computer games, we were deadlocked in a competition with each other for all of our children. I don't know if you've ever had such an experience. Maybe in childhood where things are kind of friendly and playful. Perhaps even at work where people are, are vying for position. Or maybe in your family when making decisions, there's always a power struggle between two or more people. In Natalie's family, um, she's got two older brothers. She was the, the youngest and the weakest sibling. And she never had a chance of winning. And despite that being so many years ago, we still speak about it today. The world is competitive. You know, there's a, there's a friendly competition, of course, perhaps in sports, but I think there's also a more sinister survival of fittest mentality where humans often find themselves in, in this kind of rat race with each other, struggling to get to the top or at least struggling to stay from the bottom. And actually, in many car accidents, the, the driver who's in the wrong causes an accident not because like he's got no attention on the road, but in fact, his attention is drawn onto something else or someone else. I mean, it might be racing, but not always. But there might be something that demands their attention and so they take their mind off what they're supposed to be doing, giving too much attention to someone else. And in the same way, in our competitive world, we can cause wrecks and pileups in our own lives because we're too busy looking at what another person is up to instead of keeping our eyes in our lane on where we're going. And I think we see it too in, in the culture of fragile masculinity. As a lad growing up, whenever you entered a new place with people your age, first thing you do is you size others up to see where you stand and see that, you know, if violence did ensue, who you were and where you were in the pecking order. Of course, the greater you are, always the better. And if someone is vying for your position, sadly, you'd let them know. And the same is true, I believe, our femininity, but I'm a little bit less qualified to speak on that. And Jesus' disciples, like you or like I, also fell prey to this destructive way of the world. The disciples had spent significant time with Jesus, they'd seen many healings, they'd performed healings, they'd gone out themselves, they'd heard great sermons. You know, Peter had even had a revelation about who Jesus was, the sense and the God. And yet in Matthew 9, 33 to 37, this is what we read. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, when Jesus was in the house, he asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the way? Well, they kept silent from a way they had argued with one another about who was greatest. And Jesus sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put the child in the midst of them and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me. It's almost comic when you think about it, that the disciples who had been with Jesus for such time were now arguing about who's the best, it seems. And we don't know exactly the content of what they were arguing about. They were best at, the best disciple, the most spiritual, the most holy. And I think in our, in our Christian world, we can either often 
Christianize or churchify our competition, our, our basic instinct, it seems, to want to be better than the other. We can desire things that we kind of sugarcoat with with church, like, I want to be the best pastor, I want to be the best this, I, I desire to sell the most song, you know. And we, we don't know the content of what these disciples were arguing about, but we know that it was an argument about who was greatest. And I believe our sinful default has this competitive desire for greatness at heart. You know, the disciples were not just saying, I want to be the best in my field, I want to improve, I want to, I want to be more like Jesus. But they were arguing about who was great, not just, oh, well, good, I'm a good disciple, but who between us deserves more honour than the rest? Who is most eminent here? Who is deemed more worthy and of more substance than their fellow disciple? And what I love is that Jesus rejects this wholesale. He doesn't speak about who's the greatest. He doesn't play into this game of pitting ourselves against the other person, diminishing the next person in order to try and be our greater ourselves. He, re he rejects this paradigm altogether and he actually flips it on his head. It says he sat down and called the twelve and he said to them, if anyone will be first, he must be last and servant of all. Jesus responds by saying that greatness, this elusive position within a false hierarchy of trying to be, trying to be at the top, is actually about seeing others as more important than yourself. It's not about putting yourself at the top, but about putting others before you. Greatness is not being concerned about where you stand, but it's about giving more attention and more significance to others. To be the best, to be great, is to get this whole notion of greatness as being in competition with others, of being above others or better than others, and it's to serve rather than to be served. It's about honouring others rather than seeking honour seeking honor ourselves. It's to give up a worldly preoccupation with me, with I and myself, and look to others' needs. And this is a paradigm shift that Jesus presents concerning greatness. Greatness is not about you, but it's about others. There was a funny quote that I read on Instagram the other day, and it said that social media is weird. It's a competition about who has the best fake life. And I think we can all fall prey to this world of trying to present our lives as perfect to us, better than the next person's. And in that, we're often looking at others and feeling envious of what they have, you know, desiring and seeking more greatness in our lives in order to not be left behind. And Jesus, I believe, would not pay any mind to this. I'm convinced. And what Jesus does actually next is great. In verse 36, it says he took a child and put the child in the midst of him. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. In Jesus' day in, in Palestine, children were not romanticised as they are in our world. Children were often seen as little adults who had a lot to learn and were just waiting to take on responsibilities of their parents, their businesses, when they matured. You know, there was not a culture of safeguarding and value given to each individual child as there is in the UK today. And Jesus took that which was often seen as insignificant. Maybe children wouldn't readily represent insignificance in our culture today. Maybe it'd be how we treat an elderly person or people with learning difficulties. Or someone who is least in our society, someone who we don't always pay so much honour and respect to as others, someone less great 
And Jesus takes this less great person, seemingly less place, great person, his child, and he puts the child in front of him. And then he took the child in his arms. It's important to know that Jesus didn't just beckon the child like a slave, or he didn't drag a child over there, but he brings the child in the midst of them. And then Jesus takes the child up in his arms. He brought the child over and showed a symbolic act of affirmation and care to the least in the room at that point. Jesus embodies and presents to us what true greatness is. It's about putting others before yourself and leaving the race to the top altogether. When Jesus took the child in his arms, he effectively hugged the child and showed affirmation and a desire for that which was not typically great. And his next words, he said, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. To receive someone is to honour them. If I received you at my house, it wouldn't be like, just bang the door open, go and sit down. But if I received you, I might, you know, seek some food out for you. I might make a drink. But I try to, to make you feel valued in, in receiving you to my home, hopefully anyway. And Jesus is saying, forget your traditional understanding of getting to the top. Whatever that looks like in your realm. I know for some people, it might be a million subscribers. For others, it might be a flashy car. Everyone speaking well of you, that next job promotion. She says, forget that and give your time, attention and affection to those who are least, to those who are considered to be losers in our quest for greatness. And that there is what true greatness is. And when we receive such a, a loser in life's game of greatness, we're not just receiving them, but we're actually receiving Jesus. We're taking hold of and putting on our lap effectively, you know, holding and honouring Christ himself. And therefore, honouring the one who sent him, giving honour and receiving God. Imagine that. In all your potential daily interactions where you've got the opportunity to reject or to receive others. You know, when they're the least, where, where you're not just associating with those of, of a similar standing or a higher standing to you where, where you're welcoming those who are lesser you're not just welcoming them but you're welcoming God himself it's just it's spending your time with a lowly and just not those who are good for your social standing it's greeting those who are of a lower station to you rather than just associating with those who have a similar caliber or standing in a workplace to read again and they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house with them, he asked, What were you discussing on the way? Well, they kept silent, probably embarrassed. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of him. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. It's easy to read this and to laugh at the disciples foolery here, but let's not. Let's examine our hearts today and ask God, where are we trying to be the greatest? Where are we trying to seek a position for ourselves which is higher than the other? I'm not here trying to say that believers shouldn't play competitive sports or should not be attending professional development training to become better. But I'm saying that there's no honour in Christ in trying to make yourself better at the expense of putting others down, of trying to be at the top 
whilst pushing others to the bottom. And there's no competition anyway for those of us who are in Christ, because actually we are one in him, perfected in his love. And what I'd like to do is I'd just like to pray for you right now regarding this. Lord God, I thank you for your word and I thank you that you speak into our life today. I just pray that in all we do, we wouldn't seek our own honour, we wouldn't seek our own glory and we wouldn't be preoccupied with this race to the top, we're trying to be the best, but we willingly honour you in it Lord and if that means getting low, then may we get low, if that means that you want to put us to a a greater position in order to serve others than be it, Lord. But we just want to honour you in that, Lord. Help us to take our eyes off ourselves, off our own position, and help us to put them on you. Help us not to, to try and feign humility by thinking of ourselves so low, knowing that kind of makes us great in you. But help us to put our eyes onto others. May we be preoccupied more so with the well-being of others than trying to seek our own honour. Teach us and guide us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.